Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're beginning chapter 3 of the Gospel of Mark. We ended chapter 2 last week with the Pharisees challenging Jesus on the Sabbath. Well, chapter 3 opens still on the Sabbath and with more hard lessons for the Pharisees about trying to embarrass the Son of God and their utter misunderstanding about the important things in the Word of God. The obvious application for us today, don't be a Pharisee. And another one might be, don't misunderstand the Bible to be just a bunch of rules. Pastor Jim will have even more for us this week as you listen in on today's slice of the message entitled, Lawful Use of the Sabbath. Hardness of heart is the inability to understand spiritual things due to pride and a rebellious attitude. But would you notice, that's God described right there in that verse. Anger over sin, grief over the ones who choose to remain in it. Anger and grief, compassion and righteousness. Well, at last, the guy with the withered hand gets what everyone there expected. His hand is restored. No more paralysis, no more atrophy, no more pain, no more contortion. Just like every healing of Jesus, it was instantaneous and complete. And would you notice that not only is this the only time we know that Jesus asked anyone to come forward, it's also the only time we know of that He might have said, I see that hand. Not enough of you have been to revivals to, uh, to get that. I'll have to change that. And remember, we've, a generation has rolled over here on the odometer of time. Sad, glorious, wonderful, gut-wrenching situation. It is a strange situation. There are the shameless spies. The surprise subject, he's now healed. There's the shameful silence. There's the Savior's sadness. And finally... The shameful stratagem that they came up with. Look at verse 6. The Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. Now you would think that anyone would have responded in faith and repentance after seeing what just happened, after hearing what Jesus just said. And he said it last week also. At the very least, you would think they would, they, they would go and talk about it, maybe search the Scriptures, maybe hightail it down to Jerusalem and have a, a meeting with the Sanhedrin to discuss whether these things could be so, but that's not how self-righteous people respond. They were more angry than ever. It must have been extra excruciating for them to be so humiliated and embarrassed in public in front of the whole synagogue. Again, it's interesting how Luke describes this. Matthew, or Mark just says, they went out and immediately began conspiring. 
with the Herodians against him as, they, as to how they might destroy him. Luke 6, 11, he says this, But they themselves were filled with rage. God the Son has just looked at them with the orge of God. And they just get all the more enraged and discuss together what they might do with Jesus. Now, the word that Luke chose for rage, it's not the same word as Jesus' anger here. They chose a word for rage that literally means mindlessness or folly. They went absolutely crazy. They were out of their minds with hatred for Jesus. Notice it says they were filled with rage. When you're filled with something of an emotional nature, it means you're under its control. Filled with sorrow, filled with joy, filled with grief, filled with sadness, filled with rage, filled with the Holy Spirit. It means to be under the control of that thing. So back to Mark. The Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring. Now here's a new wrinkle with the Herodians against him uh, as to how they might destroy him. They immediately got to work on furthering the plot that was already afoot to destroy Jesus. I'm sure they would have tried to kill him on the spot. They knew they couldn't get away with it. They would have been lynched as popular as Jesus was, even though it was a Sabbath, I'm sure. You mess with Jesus, that many people would have turned on you. Then there's the fact that when you get right down to it, they were planning futility. No one took away Jesus' life. No one could. He voluntarily gave His life at the perfect moment. They worked it all together. They did all these machinations to get Him to the cross, and He didn't die until the moment He chose to die. And He could have come down and could have called 10,000 angels. But it's interesting to think about how wicked these Pharisees were and and how their judgment was completely blinded by their pride and arrogance and self-righteousness and indeed their rage. They knew why they wanted Jesus killed. The plot had already been hatched when Jesus was in Jerusalem those weeks before this. Remember, that's when He healed the man who had been sick for 38 years. And in John 5.18, we're told, For this reason, therefore, the Jews... And John doesn't use terms like Pharisees and Sadducees. He's not writing for Jews. He's just writing for Jewish people. He says the Jews when he was referring to the leaders of the Jews. He says, For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Him. They already wanted to kill Him. This just made it more. Why? Because He was not only breaking the Sabbath, as they misdefined it, not only breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God His own Father, making Himself equal with God. So they considered Him to be a blasphemer for claiming to be God, and they considered Him a lawbreaker for disobeying their rules about the Sabbath. But they really had a problem with how to get Him killed. They didn't have the authority to execute anyone. They couldn't uh, impose the death penalty. And they knew they would need Rome to help them with that, but the Romans wouldn't bother to deal with such things like, we don't care what you do on Saturday. We don't care about your religious stuff. So the way they finally got Pilate to agree to sentence him to crucifixion was by saying that Jesus was a threat to Rome. That's why John, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 3, verse 6, 
is significant. They immediately went out and began conspiring with the Herodians. Now, who are they? Are they a motorcycle gang? We never heard of these guys. Who are the Herodians? Well, do you see the word Herod in there? The Herodians were an irreligious, very worldly political group with, among the Jews that supported the dynasty of Herod the Great. And when Herod was gone and it went into the, the four tetrarchies, the four subdivisions of his, of his dynasty, they supported that. So they were supporters of Rome. Secular Jews, they were viewed by their religious Jewish counterparts, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the Zealots and that. They were viewed as loyal to Rome and therefore traitors to Judaism. So they couldn't have been any more different from the Pharisees. And normally the Pharisees and the Herodians were arch enemies. But this brought them together. Just like normally the Pharisees and the Sadducees were arch enemies. But Jesus brought them together. These two groups found a common enemy. The Pharisees hated Jesus because he openly exposed and opposed their hypocritical system of works righteousness. But the Herodians hated Jesus because his popularity with the people made him a potential threat to the power of Herod and of Rome, which they supported. And so they both rejected God's Son. That is being blinded, blinded by rage and hypocrisy and self-righteousness. What a, what a contrast. They're going to quibble over rules about the Sabbath and then scurry out the back door of the synagogue and go plan a murder. Take it a step further. Let's bring somebody in that we would never, ever talk to or have anything to do with except well maybe they could help us kill Jesus so they bring in the Herodians what a contrast between that and the compassion that Jesus had remember he reached out to all those people and said come to me all who are weary and heavy laden of all these spiritual burdens they're putting on you I will give you rest rest for your souls he was the only one there that had compassion or showed compassion for the man with the withered hand. And yes, indeed, he had anger for the false teachers. My friends, do you understand God is a God of goodness? God is a God of compassion. There is no day, there is no time that any attribute of God takes a day off. Go with His message. You don't have to be under that burden of all those do's and don'ts. They won't do you any good anyway. You need something you can't produce. You need a righteousness only God can give you. And you can take that glorious message and countless ways you can show His compassion along the way, which often is what opens the door for someone to hear the wonderful message of the Savior. Let's pray. Our Father... How we thank you again for, well, ultimately for your Son. Thank you for eternal life that we have in Him. Thank you that no matter what earthly good, human good we've done, we realize none of that is enough to bring us ever 
into your presence. So we thank you for that righteousness, which is not of ourselves. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.